This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Geno Time Podcast here on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. We are brought to you by Bet Online. I'm here with Nicole Yang and Chris Grenham and a special guest today, uh, my favorite Nets beat writer on the beat, Christian Winfield man, of, the, of the New York Daily News. Christian, how you doing, man? I, I was just telling you, man, I'm just fresh out the barber chair, man. I'm feeling great. There's no better feeling for anybody than those seconds, actually the first day after walking out the barber shop, man. It's just feel like a new human being so i feel good man how you doing look man the geno time podcast um, i mean not nicole but two-thirds of the geno time podcast needs a haircut so bad look at my head look at my head right right now what's the the lowest you guys have shaven your hair like have you guys gone bald before like what's what's the what's the lowest i do a bald fade every time i'm like bald fade up to here like midway up i mean uh, all the hair have you taken it all off I've never taken it all. I've off. never taken it all off. No. <laughs> so you're saying right now on this episode of the podcast that if the Celtics lose this first <laughs> series to the Nets, you guys will both cut all your hair off. Is that that is, gar- that, that is guaranteeing myself to go bald. <laughs> I can't do that. I cannot do that. <laughs> oh oh man. man, I tried. <laughs> I respect the effort. Um, yeah, so we're gonna we're gonna break down Celtics Nets today. We're gonna we're gonna talk uh you know just kind of some matchup stuff. Should be a good time. But f- I mean, first things first, Christian. Uh, what has it been like to cover the Brooklyn Nets? What's the the Brooklyn Nets beat experience been like this year? Well, I bring a different perspective to it because I'm from Brooklyn, right? I grew mm-hmm. up here, born and raised, and I, I have the luxury of working for the newspaper that I grew up reading. And then my father still gets in the mail to this day and has been getting every day since God knows how long. So for me, it's kind of surreal. You know, when I was born in Brooklyn, we didn't have a team here, right? We didn't have a, we didn't have the Brooklyn Nets. It was the New York Knicks. And now not only am I covering the Brooklyn Nets in my hometown, but they have Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, James Harden. And it, it's crazy. Like I, sometimes I can't even really like I have to pinch myself. I'm like, yeah, I'm. A, for for example, that play when you know Blake Griffin goes behind the back up the floor, and then Mike James ends up throwing an alley oop off the backboard. Kevin Durant. It's like, what are we? Like, am I a rucker or am I like at, at an <laughs> NBA game? And. That's what it's like. It's kind of like you never know what's going to happen. And I think in some respect, fans haven't gotten the full experience because guys have been hurt, right? And we're just now getting to see all three of them on the floor at the same time in the playoffs when games are starting to count. So uh, it's been fun. It's been surreal. It's been a little bit testy at times because we don't get players as often as we'd like and guys are out, guys are in and out for whatever reasons. But it's been a blessing. It's been surreal, man. It's, It's been quite an experience. The uh, I did want to ask, and I mean, like, we probably won't dwell on this stuff too much, but I am curious, like, what it's been like covering Kyrie this season. I mean, it seems like it's been quite similar to, like, our experience. You know, he's, he's a really interesting guy and also, like, you know, sometimes just kind of difficult to cover. Like, what, what's that been like for you? Well, I mean, he, he kind of set the bar this season when he said he's basically not talking to us for whatever <laughs> reasons he had. 
Um, and then obviously he had his leave of personal absence that took for uh, however long that was about a week and change. But I, I think at the crux of it all, you see just how passionate he is about helping other people. You know what I'm saying? Like he really just wants to do the best by human beings that he can. And at a certain level, you can't fault that. And if you're doing that on top of shooting 50% from the field, 40% from three and 90% from three point range from, from the foul line, then what, what is there to even, even argue or, or even consider, you know, I, I've had a, a pleasure covering him just because what rings true with him rings true with a lot of, of basketball players. When you ask them thoughtful questions about the game and about what happened and about basketball, they will talk forever. It's when you start asking, okay, well, talk, talk to me about like in Kevin Durant's case, when Shannon Sharp asked, said those things about Kevin Durant. Now you start asking Kevin Durant about that. That's when things start to go left. So it, it's been a, a pleasure for me because I love writing about basketball, the actual story, what's happening on the floor. And these guys love talking about those things, but also covering someone who's in a way willing to risk his platform in, in order to a promote social justice across the planet, not just here in his backyard, all over the world. And to play at such a high level at the same time, it's just, it's just been amazing to cover him in the times that he's not mad at us, of course. <laughs> yeah, those rare moments. But yeah, no, I mean, it's, I feel like he's very relatable, especially for like a lot of, maybe like a, like a lot of like our generation. Like, I feel like he experiences yeah. things in a similar way that we do. A hundred percent that, and we've got guys who won't even talk about certain things and he's doing the research begging people you know check out what's going on tell, taking the stand it's like that that's a generation of, of athlete that we saw in the past that we don't see very much as often I'm thinking Muhammad Ali and guys like that that really risked their platforms and their lives to make a statement and um it, it's just honorable what he's done man I I, I tip my hat to him and it's tough that's a lot of money that you're you're on the line you could have partnerships pulled you can have endorsements pulled for saying the wrong thing you know what i'm saying you had daryl morey said tweeted about china and now he you know what i'm saying look how quickly that happened you know and you've got Kyrie saying things it's it, it's honorable man that's the that's, that's the only word i could think of definitely Celtics Nets. Let's uh, let's get into it. Juno Time Podcast as a whole does not think the Celtics have a chance in this series. What do you think the Celtics could do to just kind of make things uncomfortable for Brooklyn? Like, what, what do they have to do to try to not, not, you know, not win the series, but like maybe win a couple of games and be competitive in a third one to where it's like, yeah, okay, they were, that was, that was, that was annoying. Um, you can play Tristan Thompson as many minutes as possible. I think that is <laughs> going to be the key for the Celtics to make things interesting because the Nets are terrible on the inside. They don't have a guy Tristan Thompson is stronger than any player on the Nets, maybe aside from James Harden. And I don't even know if that's accurate. Tristan Thompson is a dog in the paint. He's going to outwork the guys on the glass, right? And it's just been clear. The Nets are a team that struggles rebounding the ball. They struggle with interior defense. And Tristan's a guy who's going to be able to do that. I think this is why you signed Tristan Thompson. You signed the guy like that for playoff runs to be that menace on the glass that, the, that teams like the Nets can't keep off them. So um, that and just those plays in between the lines. A guy like Marcus Smart is going to make so many plays against a team like this. Um, I want to see how him and Bruce Brown go at each other because I think that's a great matchup for their play styles. Other than that, it's going to be tough. I mean, yes, Jason Tatum is going to get his, but he's going to be guarded by Kevin Durant most of the time. And then he's going to have to guard Kevin Durant on the other side. Um, I think the best thing that the Celtics can do to give themselves a chance is A, crash every rebound, especially on the offensive boards because the Nets will give those up and B, fight for those 50-50 balls. If they can do that, they'll have a chance. Christian, I'm going to be honest with you. When you started your answer, I thought you were trolling because <laughs> that's why I started. That's why I started laughing too. Here's the thing. Not been supportive of the Tristan Thompson signing. So I think you, 
I think this is the series that changes your mind. Okay. okay. All right. All right. Well, we'll, we'll this, see. If you, if, if this is a series that can change our minds, but more Tom, Tom has been so anti Tristan from the jump and maybe this is the series. So that is an interesting thing to watch, especially for Geno time listeners. The, the Nets are a team that have struggled on the glass all year. And in the games that they've lost, they've either not won the rebounding margin not one on those 50-50 balls and those hustle plays, or they just didn't come out like they were interested in playing. We know they're going to come out and try to win, but if they don't try to win those hustle plays and don't crash the offensive glass, it's going to be tough. I did want to ask you, um, KD said the other day that, that he's planning on guarding Tatum quite a bit. Yeah. Like, I'm curious if that's going to like, if that's going to hold up because obviously like Brooklyn has like enough players that like Kevin, if Durant is focused on defense, like they've got other guys who can get buckets. Like that's not going to be a problem. Like, do you think that Durant is going to do that? Like, 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 is that going to be like a permanent thing? Like, is there any chance that they throw, like try some Bruce Brown on him? I mean, Tatum's to me seems to struggle the most against like real defensive minded guards because Tatum's so good in the pick and roll, you know, guard defenders around the pick and roll seem to bug him a little bit more than guys like Durant. I mean, I'm curious if you think there's going to be some fluidity there if, or, or, or if you think that's going to be kind of like the rock solid matchup, at least in the first game or two. I think it's going to start with Kevin Durant on him, but at the same time, the Nets switch everything. So, so everyone's going to get their chances right. to guard him. Um, I think we, I think the smart thing for the Nets is to not give him a steady dose of Kevin Durant, give him Kevin Durant for four minutes, then go to Bruce Brown for four minutes, then give him Jeff Green. You know what I'm saying? Then, mess with his head and throw DJ on him. You know what I'm saying? Throw a bunch of different looks at him, double him here and there. These guys, you know, I, we, we talked to Kevin Durant about this the other day. You, you can't just guard somebody straight up one-on-one and, and expect to stop him. Guys are too talented. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Everybody's going to have to come in. So it's going to be a group effort. But to your point, I do think a guy like Bruce Brown would, would, would have an impact. I also think a guy like Nick Claxton might have an impact on him. He's got the length. He's quicker on his feet than people give him credit for. And he's got good recovery speed. So if Tatum beats him, he can recover and try to get that block. I think the Nets have a, a bunch of different guys they can match up with i think that the commonality for the nets in some of these games is kind of what i alluded to earlier they don't have a real matchup for a guy like tristan thompson they don't have a good matchup for guys like andre drummond joel Embiid. Giannis went for 49 the other day and and oh and hit four threes against them but the rest of his damage was done in the paint i think that for the celtics is going to be about getting into that paint making the nets collapse and then hitting that open shooter and hoping that shot goes in staying with defense I mean, you've watched this team all year long and i yeah. think a lot of people entering this series they focus on any sort of weakness they can find for the Nets, which there aren't a, there aren't a whole lot. But you look at their defensive rating; it's bottom ten in the NBA. So they haven't been the best defensive team, but again, they haven't had too much consistency in terms of lineups. What should Celtics fans expect defensively? What should the Celtics expect defensively from the Nets? Like, is that rating? Does that actually reflect their team defense, or do you think a lot of that has to do with the inconsistency they've gone through? Yeah, I think it's more so an average of where they are this season because the Nets are a team that will come out and play inspired defense, but not for a full 48 minutes. I don't think they've played a full 48 minutes of defense this entire season. They'll come out, they'll start games awful. And then that third quarter, they'll come out and outscore you by 27. And you're looking like, okay, what the hell just happened? They kind of have an on and off switch for when they want to start playing defense and when they don't. And you want to assume that the playoffs is when that off switch, that that switch goes on and it never turns back off. But at the end of the day, we, we see this every year. Teams fall back onto their bad habits. You know what I'm saying? If you're telling me, you, if you want me to believe that this Nets team is somehow going to be a top 10 defensive team in the playoffs, 
I want to know what you're drinking because I might need some of <laughs> this weekend in Boston because that's not going to be the case. This is a team that, and I've said it all year, if they're going to go come out and get stops, good on them. I don't expect that. I expect them to be much closer to scoring 175 points than holding the Celtics below 80, right? And, and I think that's what it's going to have to come down to. Yes, Boston is going to have some, some if Boston's going to score, they're going to do that and they're going to play hard. But at the end of the day, you've got Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, James Harden, Joe Harris, you got guys that can shoot, guys that can make plays. I think that's what it's going, what it's going to boil down to. So yes, defensively, they're, they're not as solid as they need to be. They haven't been all season. I don't have any reason to believe they will be better, but I think they'll be competent defensively. And when you have all the offensive weapons that they have, I think competence is exactly what you need. We could clip your entire answer and it would also apply to the Celtics. <laughs> <laughs> the, like this, the problem is, of course, that the Celtics don't have Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving and, and James Harden coming in, which uh, makes a, a pretty big difference. Uh, I, I wanted to ask you about, about those guys. Obviously, they've only played eight games. I, th- I think that that's right, right? Like eight games together this season. Yeah. What what has been your takeaway from those eight games specifically? Because, I mean, like to, to go through a 72-game season and only not, not only not have your starting lineup, but, but to have like the three main players on your team, to only have them for eight games. I mean, that's the, like, I, I feel like that that's challenging at least you know maybe not in like a first round series but as the playoffs go on you, you might miss on some of that continuity that other teams might have yeah 100 percent. and I, I think what the nets have been able to do is that sure james Harden, kevin durant and kyrie Irving don't have that continuity that you would like for your big three to have but the other 12 guys on the roster are pretty rock solid you know what i'm yeah. saying like they have this thing called the stay ready group where they've got guys at the end of the bench who are tasked with filling in whenever guys are are out and they've played well you got guys like bruce brown Landry Shamit, who have been filling in in different in different roles at all different times of the season. I do think it's going to be a little gap that they're going to have to make up because that's what they've been talking about the most. That's why they respect the Celtics, right? They said, hey, you know, we're not looking at the Celtics like it's an easy out. These guys have been here. They made it to the Eastern Conference Finals not too long ago when somebody was hurt. They've done this. They've had the same coach, the same guys together for a while. So that's what the Nets kind of don't have right now, you know? And, and obviously you, you get to make up for all those things when you're hitting shots and you have some of the best shot makers that can kind of make that go away. It'll be interesting. I think they're still kind of feeling each other out. And obviously we ask these questions to them all every week and they said, Hey, you know, yes, we haven't played together for, for a lot this season, but we're veterans. You know what I'm saying? We've, we've made different playoff runs before separately. Obviously James and Kevin have played together in the past. And on top of that, one thing that I've learned about these guys is everybody wants to sacrifice. You know, Blake Griffin left money on the table to come from Detroit. LaMarcus Aldridge left money on the table in San Antonio to come here. Everybody sacrificing. James Harden said, hey, you know, if I've got to sacrifice. The funny thing he said yesterday was, hey, I didn't score at all in practice today. You know what I'm saying? I just want to put other guys in positions to succeed. And he's like, yo, you know, I'm going to shorthand what he said. He goes, hey, who am I to try to step on Kevin Durant's toes as one of the best scorers of all time? Who am I to try to get in front of Kyrie, who's one of the most creative scorers of all time? No, I just want to put everybody in these positions, get the ball to people. And I think that's what it is. Guys are sacrificing. And uh, when you've got sacrifice, I think that kind of helps fill in the gaps between the time that they haven't had together. I think your first point is so important. The Celtics have the maybe ready group at the end of their bench. Like it is, it is so, it's such an issue. And I think that's what a lot of people miss when they look at this matchup. They see the top of the Nets roster. It's impossible to look past, but the supporting cast for Brooklyn is so much better than Boston's supporting cast. And that's going to make such an impact in a playoff series. You've got guys in the stay ready group that other teams would love to have. You've got, Alizé Johnson is one of them. That's a steal. You know, he's been playing great this season since they signed up. 
you got a guy like Mike James now on this roster who comes in from the Euro League, starts dogging. He moves somebody else into the stay ready group. DeAndre Jordan's in the stay ready group now. How about that? He's not even in the lineup. He hasn't been active in the rotation since Lamarcus Aldridge came and then left and still didn't get in. The, the Nets are so deep. I'm trying to think of their bench. You've got Timothy Luau Cabarro. You've got Landry Shaman, who's playing good minutes now. Bruce Brown is out of the stay ready group. Alizé Johnson, Nick Claxton, Reggie Perry. All these guys can play minutes if they need to. And um, all these guys have been asked to play minutes at different parts of the season because guys have been in and out of the rotation. I think that's another key part. Yeah, you've got guys at the end of the rotation, but you've had to lean on those guys at certain points this season to, to stay afloat. And that's going to be really, really helpful for them. Yes, teams are going to game plan against Kevin and Kyrie and James, but if you've got another 10 guys that can come in and, and hit some shots, it's going to be tough. I wanted to ask you about Mike James. Where did he come from? Like, how did the net, how did he get on the Nets radar? Like, what, what do you know about, about him before he came to Brooklyn? Because he's been, I mean, he's been, seems like he's been great. Yeah, you know, when I first heard Mike James, I was thinking about the veteran Mike James, who I can remember from a long right, time ago. Right, me too, yeah. <laughs> I used to play with him in 2K. I was a guy I used to play with in 2K, and he, I think he played for the Timberwolves. That was great. This Mike James, I believe he played in Phoenix first and then didn't work out there, ended up going to New Orleans. And then I asked him, Hey, you know, what took so like this is a guy who can score, right? Like we know he can score. And I asked him, like, hey, what took so long for this opportunity to come for you to come back to the NBA? He goes, it, it wasn't really an opportunity. I didn't want to come back. He enjoyed playing in the Euro League. He was playing for, what was he, CSK Moscow, playing all over yeah. the Euro League for a little while. He can score. This is a guy who can play. You know, we've seen him take shots. He's he's not afraid of the moment. He said he's trying to figure out where he fits between playing with Kyrie and, and James, which is tough, but He's a guy who's not afraid of the moment. He's he's here to play. He's taken and made some big shots already. So, I mean, number one, you got to be a captain, Sean Marks. I mean, he just keeps finding guys who can play. And number two, you, you add Mike James. Mike James is probably what number? I'd say he's number eight off, number eight in the rotation because you go KD, Kyrie, James, Jeff, Blake, Joe, Bruce, Landry. Yeah, after Landry, you probably go Mike James. Mike James took Tyler Johnson's minutes. That's a guy I didn't mention. Tyler Johnson's in the state ready group. A couple playoff teams would love to have Tyler Johnson right now. It's the, the depth on this team is ridiculous. The depth on that, it, it is hilarious to hear like you rattling off names and just being like, okay, that would be the Celtics' seventh man. <laughs> yeah. That would be the Celtics. Like, like, it's, it's rough. Man. He, he rattled out the whole stay ready group. They would all get minutes on the Celtics <laughs> roster. All of them. One of the big, one of the other questions I had for you, I, I was, I was reading, like you were saying that, you know, this, the, um, the, the Nets have made it clear that they respect the Celtics, that, that they are expecting like a tough series. From your perspective, having talked to them, how much of that is just kind of like, well, you, like we definitely respect like, you know, your first round and how much of that is kind of like sincere about the, the Celtics specifically? I'll take it back. The Lakers came to Brooklyn, I want to say two months ago, and neither LeBron James or Anthony Davis played in that game. I believe Kevin Durant and Kyrie did. I could be wrong. At least two of the big three played in that game. And the Lakers, without Anthony Davis and LeBron James, beat them by 20, maybe 25, something like that. And that's been something for the Nets all year. They have played down to teams who have been missing players, who don't have good records, who, for whatever the reason is, there is the gap between the two. And I think they learned that lesson. That was one of the turning points of the season. They went into Detroit at the time. Detroit had the worst offensive rating in the NBA. Detroit hangs 122 on them. And, and, and Spanks, I think they won by like 15 or 11 or something like that. And that was rock bottom for these guys, right? That was the point where they're like, okay, we can't continue playing down to opponents just because they might not have the same names on the backs of the jerseys or 
maybe they aren't playing as well. No, you've got to respect these guys. And on top of that, I mean, the Celtics showed you what, what you can do. You guys, if you ask me, you guys were supposed to lose to the Wizards. You guys were not supposed to beat the Wizards. I thought Russell Westbrook and Bradley Beal were going to get you guys out of here. And we had KD versus Russ in the first round. That's not the case because you guys know how to win games when you're shorthanded for some reason. And I think that the Nets understand that and they respect that and they understand what's on the line. They can't take a, they can't take a series off just because Jalen Brown is out. They've got to come out swinging. So I think there is some sincerity in it, but at the same time, I mean, you've got Kevin Durant, Kyrie, and James. I don't know how many times I'm going to say that this year, but you've got that big three. It's hard for me to see the, the Celtics stealing the game, man. It really is. What have been your impressions of Steve Nash? And do you think that mm -hmm. like the fact that he's like a first year coach could maybe give, I mean, Brad has had kind of a tough year, but like give the Celtics an edge there. Like how, how has he been? And like, what are your expectations? That's a, that's a fair question. I think the edge in coaching absolutely unequivocally goes to Brad Stevens, right? I think he's been in these scenarios. He's, he's been battle tested. He's part of that battle tested Celtics group. It's not just the players, right? Like Brad Stevens has always been one of the top head coaches in this league and Steve Nash is still learning. And I think we've seen that learning happen over the course of the year where especially it'll show his faces in timeouts. And that's where if Steve Nash would have called maybe a timeout or two earlier this season, maybe the Nets are the one seed and not the two. But he prioritized letting his team play through these mistakes so they can grow as a unit. And however he wants to call it, what does he call it? Problem solve. That's his favorite term. He wants his team to problem solve through adversity instead of having to call a timeout. And then there's rotations and he's still trying to figure out what groups go together. I think with Brad, that's a little bit easier because you've had some of the same guys, you know what you're relying on. And then obviously Brad is an X's and O's genius, at least from my perspective, you guys can correct me if I'm wrong. Versus Steve Nash, he's more so let the players play. He has a system and they just flow it. So I think it'll be an interesting chess match. I think that's going to be a good challenge for Steve Nash. I think he's had some of these challenges over the course of the year. And I kind of want to see how that goes because we haven't really had to see him go against the same team over and over and over, make adjustments after adjustments how do you adjust when another team adjusts and that's having to do that because they've had you know either Kyrie or James or Kevin on the floor at some times well now you've got to play the same team four or five six times in a row what are you going to do when they when they switch it up so I, I'm, I'm also interested in seeing how that goes but I think Brad will have the advantage in that in that for sure <laughs> no matter what you still have to deal with Kevin Durant Kyrie Irving and James Harden and at right. that point, <laughs> there's no coaching for that, right? Like, what are you going to say? Double him? No, if you double him, someone's going to be open. That's the crazy part, right? You can't really double any of these guys because you're either going to leave Joe Harris open in the corner or you're going to leave a dunker open at the rim or you're going to leave KD or Kyrie or James Harden open and you don't want to do that. And then you guys are probably going to try to double off of Bruce Brown, which is a bad idea because he's going to cut and then he's going to hit the three. He's going to hit the open man in the corner. It's it, it's, it, it creates so many different problems. I was talking to the Cavs coach about this and now, and I asked him, Hey, you know, what kind of problems does dealing with the big three pose? And he goes, it's not really them. It's how they create opportunities for everybody else on the floor. And I think we're going to see that happen because you guys have no choice, but to load up on the stars. And when you do that, I guess we'll see what happens. Yeah. I would not like to be an opposing coach against the Nets. So I'll be completely <laughs> honest, but all right, let's get into our Geno time draft. Christian is lucky enough to be here for the inaugural Geno time draft brought to you by our friends at shades on beer company, the makers of the delicious Geno time stout uh, recently had C and sand pale ale, which was extremely good would highly recommend it. And if you're Celtic, fan in Rhode Island, be sure to check out Shades on Beer Garden and Tasting Room in West Kingston. So today we're going to be drafting three-man lineups from the Nets and the Celtics. You can pick from either team. We'll have Christian kick us off, then go to Tom, Nicole, and I. You, you, should, we go, should we go snake draft? So 
Yeah, yeah, like and like we're drafting the players as if like as if they're playing tomorrow. That doesn't mean Jalen Brown is injured, but like you're drafting them in their current state, like not their future, okay. like not when they're a rookie, like at their current ability level. Oh, that's easy. I'm going. I'm going to uh, Kevin Durant. That's that's done. Uh, I'll take my first pick and hang my hat on that. And good luck. <laughs> <laughs> well, all right. For me, the, the for me the big debate is between Tatum and Harden. I, I'm tempted to take Tatum just because of the size. I, I just think that there's you know that there's a lot. I mean that obviously adds a lot. But I mean, like I'm sorry, James Harden is James Harden. Like he's he's the one of like at, at any given night he's one of the five best players in the NBA. So I, I'm going to take James Harden number two. I will be taking Jason Tatum. <laughs> <laughs> that was easy. I will be yeah. ta- all right. So I got two picks now. I'll go with Kyrie Irving. And I guess now the next guy up on the Celtics list would be Kemba Walker. I don't want to go there. So I'll, I'll take a shooter off Kyrie and I'll take Joe Harris. Wow. I have a question. So are we, are we drafting people based on the impact we think they're going to have in the series or just based on whatever we want? Like we just want I'm to try, together. I'm personally, I'm trying to build a three on three lineup. Like I'm trying to build a, a like a three on three team that would beat your oh. guys three on three teams. Yeah. Oh, that's going to be tough. Okay, cool. <laughs> Hmm. I'm between Jalen Brown and Robert Williams. I think I'm going to take Rob. Oh, wow. Okay. But you got Tom. Since I, since I've got Harden, I think I'm going to go, I think I'm going to go Marcus Smart. I'll have, uh, I'll have the, the super score and I'll have the, uh, the super defender here. Oh, wow. You guys are just going to give me Kemba. So I'll take Kemba. I'll take <laughs> Kemba. Um, yeah. Somehow Christian ended up with Katie and Kemba. <laughs> yeah. That's tough, man. I don't know about this one. And then third, I mean, Let's see. Are we putting KD at the three and Kemba at the one? So we might need a two. Hmm. Wow. Who do I go with? I think I'm going to take, I should mix it up. I don't want anybody off the Nets. I'm going to take a Celtics player here. Love you Nets, but I want to mix it up some. I am going to, you know who I like on your team that I'm going to take just because I think he's tough and it might reduce my chances of winning, but I like him anyway. I'm going Peyton Pritchard. Mm. All right. Here we go. Uh, that's my three. That's my team. Well, all right. So sorry. So Jalen is injured or Jalen is not injured? Jalen is not injured. Oh. Oh. Okay. Oh, yeah. then I'm taking all right. Sick. I got I get Jalen. <laughs> oh no. Oh man. <laughs> oh. A wild move by Christian taking Peyton Pritchard over Jalen Brown. I don't know about this. <laughs> it's okay. Katie's just gonna shoot over everybody. That's fine. <laughs> And we got Kemba. Yeah, you got a good squad. So that brings up Nicole, who has Tatum and Rob. (laughs) My team building is very poor because I think I need a point guard. And that leaves me with Mike James. Oh, that's not a bad pick. That's not bad. He's underrated. Mike James, Jason, and Rob. All right, so I got Kyrie and Joe Harris. Probably need a big. I'm going to go Nick Claxton because I love Nick Claxton. I need a big, and he's definitely my favorite big on the Nets roster. Long-term, I think he's going to be a really good player. So I'll go with Joe Harris. I'll go with full Nets roster, Kyrie, Joe Harris, and Nick Claxton. I'm confident in my squad. There was a way for Christian to absolutely run the table here um, (laughs) if he had taken Jalen Brown instead of Peyton I had to leave the door open for somebody. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So Christian has KD, Kemba, Peyton Pritchard. I have Harden, Smart, and Jalen. Nicole has Tatum, Rob, and Mike James. Granham has Kyrie, Joe Harris, and Nick Claxton. Uh, who do you who do you guys got here? I'm not trying to make your head too big, but I think Harden, Smart, and Jalen's a pretty damn good three man team. I do too. I do too. However, I, I do think Kemba in a three on three setting is is better than 
Well, wait, who's he going up against? <laughs> so my my lineup would basically I would have against your guys I would have Jalen on KD I would have Smart on Kemba and I think I would just hide Harden on Pritchard for, from a defensive standpoint. You guys have to double KD. I don't think you guard Jalen. I think oh, that's tough. I'm not uh, saying I'm not saying KD wouldn't get buckets, but I think Jalen would single cover him and like just try to make it as hard as he could. Yeah, I don't think Jalen can score on KD, but that could be. Yeah. Wrong. I have confidence in Kyrie, Joe Harris, and Nick Claxton, but against James Harden, Marcus Smart, and Jalen Brown, I don't know if they would oh fare all that well. <laughs> That's a tough matchup. Yeah. A tough matchup. yeah. Oh, we man. just got to rely on Tom having chemistry issues and James <laughs> Harden and Marcus Smart just, you know, not being able to get along. I mean, they don't seem to like each other, so it might it might go south. There it is. So you know what? You, you can rely on Peyton Pritchard to stand in the corner and hit a three. So yeah, it will do right. that. I think we will happily do that. <laughs> All right. Well, this uh, this was fun. Uh, Christian, uh, just tell everybody where they can find you. Uh, tell everybody what to what to be looking for. And uh, yeah, just kind of give give us the rundown here. Sure. Um, if you're in New York, you can find me in any New York daily newspaper sports section. Just, you know what I'm saying? Look for this face. And that's my story. Um, find me on all social media at Chris Splash. That's K-R-I-S-P-L-A-S-H-E-D. I live in Brooklyn. If you're in Brooklyn, if you're in Bed-Stuy and you see me, say what's up. Yeah, just be good to each other. Treat the next person the same way you want to be treated. That's about Absolutely. It. And if you're, yeah, if you're in Bed-Stuy, man, look, look for the guy with like the freshest haircut you can find or like mm-hmm. in the next like day or two. And uh, that's probably Christian. So, and I'll um, be in Boston. I will be in Boston next week for the playoffs. So if you see a guy who has this haircut and these glasses, oh, it's probably me. And if he's at a pizza spot in Boston, it might be me. So hey, what's up? <laughs> Absolutely. All right. Well, once again, uh, make sure you check out Christian's work. Like I said before, I think for my money, uh, the best beat writer on the Nets beat. Um, really appreciate you coming on, man. And we will uh, talk to you all again later this week. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.